Praise God. Brother Caleb, come up here. Preach to us. We love you, brother. Morning, guys. How's everybody doing? Y'all can be seated. Are you glad to be at TCYC? You guys are a part of history. This is the first one ever. So pat yourself on the shoulder because you just made history being at the first TCYC. And I'm glad everybody uh, came to this split session. I appreciate hungry young people. And this is a meeting of destiny. It's a meeting of God appointment. And I'm glad that you guys are here. Y'all pray for Brother Kedrian. He is out of shape. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. Running up those stairs, he got out of breath. So we're praying for him that God would just breathe a fresh wind in his direction. Praise God. Let's all stand here for just a moment. We're going to get started. But I, before we move any further, I want to make sure that we are plugged in to the flow of the Holy Ghost. And uh, we're just going to follow God. This is not just another split session. Um, this is a God moment. And I'm not here to just teach a little lesson. I'm here to make sure that we plug into the flow of the Holy Ghost and we go where God wants us to go here in this split session. Can we do that? Is that all right? I know it can be kind of awkward in these moments. We're kind of reserved and we don't want to pray loudly or we're worried about what everybody else is doing or we think we're just supposed to come in and just sit and listen to a little lesson, but we're not here for that, okay? We're here to plug into the flow of the Holy Ghost and God's going to do something in this room. So can we just close our eyes and write wherever you are? I don't want you to worry about your neighbor. I don't want you to be in a, min in a mindset of ministering to somebody else in this moment. I want you to be in the mindset for receiving something from God. So I want you to lift your voice in this room right now and ask God to clear out every distraction. If, you've, if you're plugged in and you can pray on the Holy Ghost, I want you to do that. Lift your voice and just pray on the Holy Ghost. Come on, that sounds good. Would you just pray with a little more passion, a little more fervency? We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. I'm going to read just a few portions of Scripture to you, and then I'm going to have you be seated. Isaiah 9 and 6. Very familiar portion of Scripture. Isaiah 9 and 6 said, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And this is the part I want you to pay attention to. And of the increase 
of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Everybody say, no end. So it starts, and it never stops. Now let's look at 1 Timothy 1 and 17. It said, now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. When? Forever. Once it starts, it never stops. I want to talk to you about the flow this morning. The flow. Because once the flow starts, it never stops. One more time, I want you to just lay your Bibles down and lift your hands and close your eyes and ask God to help you plug into the flow of the Holy Ghost. Not just for this split session, but for the main session We need to go ahead and make sure that our spirits are prepared. God, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the touch of the Holy Ghost that we feel in this room right now. And God, we are asking for revelation to be released. We are asking for impartation, God. We are asking for you to deposit something into our empty vessels that we did not come with. We are hungry for you. We are desperate for you. And we want to be connected to the flow of the Holy Ghost that never stops. We love you and we thank you for what you're about to do in this place. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Everybody say the flow. One thing that this generation needs to understand about the flow of the Holy Ghost is that you never have to create a flow. There is nothing you can do to manufacture or fabricate a move of the Holy Ghost. There's not enough talent. There's not enough stage design. There's not a big enough production that you can produce. There's not enough skill and ability that you can muster up in your own human logic and intellect and ability to substitute a genuine flow Of the Holy Ghost. So you never have to create a flow. You just have to find the flow because there's always a flow. And then once you find the flow, you have to live a lifestyle that allows you to not only find the flow, but to stay in the flow of the Holy Ghost. We can be so bound by religious tradition that we relegate prayer to just a slot in a 24-hour time period. But prayer is not something you just put on a shelf for one hour out of 24 hours. Prayer is a spirit that you stay in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, you might find that flow in that one hour, but when that one hour is up, you need to make sure that you live a lifestyle that allows you to stay in the flow that you found. Because you cannot create a flow. There's always a flow. God's always wanting to speak. God's always wanting to move. God is always wanting to stay in fellowship with you. You just have to find the flow. And when you find the flow, you have to stay in the flow. And I believe that in this end time hour, God wants to raise up young men and young women that are not just in the flow, but you become part of the flow. 
You say, well, what does that mean? When you read in Ezekiel 47, you read that there is a there is a progression of the flow. There are levels to the flow of the Holy Ghost. So in Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel said that he saw a flow and it started at the temple in the th- at the throne room of God. And he said it was flowing out of that temple. And he said, when I saw that flow, he said that there was an angel with a line in his hand and he brought me to that flow of that river. And he measured the flow. And he said that the flow started ankle deep. And then he progressed a little further. And he said the flow was up to his knees. And then he said the flow was up to his chest. And then the flow was so deep. Watch this. He said the flow was so deep that he could not stand in the flow. What he was saying was is whenever he got into the deep things of the flow of the Holy Ghost, he could not resist what the flow wanted to do with his life. Because whenever you're in the shallow, you can resist what the flow of the Holy Ghost wants to do because you can keep your footing and you can stand against and you can oppose the flow of the Holy Ghost in your life. But when you get so deep into the flow that you're not just in the flow, but you are part of the flow, you have to submit to the current of the Holy Ghost. The difference is it's the same flow. That's what you have to realize. It is the same flow. It's just a different level of commitment to the same flow. People in the shallow, they want the emotion of the flow on Sunday, but they don't want devotion to the flow on Monday. They want to feel the goosebumps on Sunday, but they don't want to find a prayer closet on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And they want to come to TCYC and dance and shout and be in the moment and feel the emotion and the hype and the exhilaration. But when they go home, the other 350 something days of the year, we're here for four days, the other 350, 350 something days of the year, they don't want to submit to the flow of the Holy Ghost. Whenever you're in the shower, You can feel the flow, but you can still listen to what you want to listen to. You can still hang out with who you want to hang out with. You can still wear what you want to wear. You can still go where you want to go. You can still watch what you want to watch. You can still do whatever you want to do. But when your life is not just in the flow, but it's part of the flow, you begin to walk how God wants you to walk. You begin to talk how God wants you to talk. You begin to dress how God wants you to dress. You begin to think how God wants you to think and so I believe that in this end time hour it is the will of God that we are not a shallow generation but we are a generation that has a concept and an understanding about the deep things of God Is there anybody in this room that says, God, I want to go deeper. I don't want just the hype and the exhilaration, but God, if you want to wake me up in the middle of the night with an angel by my bedside, then God, shake me, and I'll stay plugged into the flow of the Holy Ghost. If you want to visit me in the middle of the day, I believe you ought to live in the flow in such a dimension that you can be pushing your buggy in Walmart and the Holy Ghost just nudge you, and you just begin to talk in tongues under your breath. I believe you ought to be so deep into the flow of the Holy Ghost uh, that you can drive your truck down the road on the way to work or on the way to school or on the way to church and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost uh, my God I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now and the Holy Ghost just feels the cab of that vehicle and tears just begin to flow down your face and God begins to speak to you because you can't just be in the flow 
you got to be part of the flow. Jesus understood something about the progression of the flow. In Luke chapter 5, the Bible says that Jesus was standing on the shore. And then he said, okay, I'm going to get into the flow a little bit deeper. And the Bible says that he thrust out a little from the land. And then he looks at Simon Peter and he says, let's launch out into the deep. And when they get into the deep, he looks at Simon and he says, let down your nets. And what does Simon say? He responds and says, but Jesus, we have toiled all the night. Jesus had just brought him into the flow of the deep and he was stuck in religious tradition and the way he had always done it. He expected the same results in the deep that he got in the shallow. When he said we have toiled all the night, he was telling the truth. But what you have to understand is that he did not toil all the night in the deep. Other gospel accounts said that when Simon was toiling all the night, he was standing on the shore and he was casting his nets into the shallow. So he had toiled all the night, but he had not toiled all the night in the deep. I want to tell you that when you get into the deep things of the flow of the Holy Ghost, your results are going to be different than what they were in the shallow. You're going to get greater results from your prayer. You're going to get greater results from your fasting. You're going to get greater results from your consecration. There are going to be things that break in your life. He wanted a breakthrough, but he was stuck with the way that he had always done things. He was used to operating in the shallow. A lot of the problem is, is that there are a lot of young people that have a deep calling, but have shallow concepts. They have a deep ministry that God is trying to give them, but they cannot get past a shallow mindset, but I think this generation is going to break the mold of being a shallow generation. This is not the generation that is going to have the stigma that we're just full of hype and emotionalism. No, we understand that we are rooted in the deep things of God. And there, has, there, there is going to come a point in every young person's life where you cannot go by what you feel but you have to go by what you know. There was no flow when Elijah looked at the prophets of Baal and he said, why halt ye between two opinions? He was in the middle of a wilderness. There was no water. There was no rain. There was no flow for him to go and get water from. But he looked at the prophets of Baal and said, why halt ye between two opinions? Whenever you look in the New Testament and James said a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, that word double-minded means in the Greek it is dipsikos, D-I meaning two, and sakos meaning psyches. He is saying a man with two different mindsets is unstable in all of his ways. But Elijah in the middle of a famine when there were no tears, when there was no TCYC, when there was no dance and shout on a Sunday night, when there were no goosebumps and when there was no chin that was quivering, he had to look at the prophets of Baal and say, why halt ye between two opinions? What he was saying was, it's even in a moment that I cannot feel the flow, I've got a made up mind that Jehovah is God. You hear me, young person, you have to make sure that you are so rooted in your relationship with God that 
when you walk through your own personal wilderness and those tears don't flow and you're looking around and you're wondering why everybody else can talk in tongues but you can't break through and you're looking around and you're wondering why everybody else feels the goosebumps and their chin is quivering and you're going to think something is wrong with you you got to have a made up mind that Jesus is your God it is at that point that you cannot go by what you feel but you have to go by what you know there are young people in this room right now that before this this split session is over your feeling is going to come back I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. You've been looking around wondering, why can everybody else feel God, but I can't feel God? Maybe it was just a test to see, can you serve me without the emotionalism? Can you be faithful to me without feeling me? I didn't have any plans on saying any of this, but whenever Jesus died on the cross and he resurrected, he showed himself to the rest of the disciples. But Thomas was not there. And Thomas said, I will not believe that he is resurrected until I, until I feel the prints of the nails in his hands and I touch the wound in his side. Well, here comes Jesus resurrected from the grave and he presents himself to Thomas and read your Bible. The Bible says that Thomas looked at him and said, my Lord and my God. But he never felt the nail prints in his hands. It was at that moment that Thomas got a revelation following Jesus should not be contingent on feeling Jesus. My question to this generation is, can you trust him when you can't trace him? Can you follow him even when you cannot feel him? Let's lift our hands and let's pray here for just a moment. Come on, those tears are going to flow again, young person. The flow is going to come back. The flow is going to come back. Come on, the flow is going to come back. And so there are some kingdoms that have a beginning and have an ending. But there's only one kingdom that has a beginning and has no ending. Every other earthly kingdom, it has a beginning, but it also has an ending. But the kingdom that you and I are a part of, it had a beginning, but it has no ending. Because of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God be honor and glory. When? Forever and ever. And when you look at the first two kings of Israel, you can look at their anointings. Saul was anointed with a vial. What does a vial imply? A vial implies a drop 
of the anointing. And what does a drop do when it falls? It stops. That's why the prophet looked at Saul and he said, God is going to strip the kingdom from you. His kingdom was like his anointing. Once it started, it stopped. But when David was anointed, he was not anointed with a vial. He was anointed with a horn. And a horn implies a flow of the anointing. What does a flow do whenever it falls? It does not stop. It continues from the top of your head down to the soles of your feet. That's why the Bible said that David was anointed from that day forward. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him from that day day forward and it was from the tribe of Judah which David was from that the Messiah was introduced into the world. David's kingdom was like his anointing. It started and it never stopped. That's why when you get into the New Testament they don't cry out when they need a miracle. Jesus thou son of Saul have mercy on me. But they say Jesus thou son of David have mercy on me because when you become a part of the flow that never stops the supernatural will become part of your DNA I believe that this generation is going to see miracles signs and wonders unlike any other generation because when you get part of the flow when you become immersed in the flow of the Holy Ghost the supernatural begins to emanate from your being it begins to permeate the atmosphere it just flows out of who you are Does anybody want that in this generation? Anybody want those kind of miracles? That's why the Bible said these signs shall follow. Where is it going to follow? It's going to follow those that are in the flow. Wherever the flow goes is where miracles are going to go. Wherever the flow goes is where the gifts of the Spirit are going to go. Wherever the flow goes is where the supernatural is going to go. These signs shall follow them that believe. Let me help this generation with something. You may never grab a microphone and stand behind a pulpit and preach to a crowd but that doesn't mean you cannot lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. It did not say these signs shall follow those that have a pulpit ministry or those that have a title or an office or a position or those that have a license to preach. That is not what the scripture says. It says these signs shall follow them that believe. Do you believe Acts 2.38 in this room? Do you believe, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord? Do you believe the name of that one God is Jesus? Do you believe in holiness inwardly and outwardly? Then you have got the power to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. I am so tired of doubt and fear robbing this generation of a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. If you're in the flow, you've got everything you need to see a miracle. I'm so tired of doubt and unbelief robbing this generation of the miraculous. You just need to wake up and understand. If you're in the flow of the Holy Ghost that never stops, you've got everything you need to see the miraculous. You're asking yourself, well, what happens if I lay hands on them and God doesn't heal them? What happens if I try to cast the devil out and the devil doesn't come out? What happens if I try to pray them through to the Holy Ghost and God doesn't fill them with the Holy Ghost? Well, my question for this generation is, what happens if you lay hands on them and God does heal them of their sickness. What happens if that devil does come out? What happens if God does fill them with the Holy Ghost? You've got everything you need to see the miraculous.
We need to pray right here. God's doing something in this room right now. Lift your voice and lift your hands right now. We're just going to flow in the Holy Ghost. I impart the miraculous into this generation right now. You will be a generation that operates in apostolic authority. You will be a generation that lays hands on the sick and watches them recover. I bind doubt and intimidation right now. I bind doubt and unbelief by the authority of the name of Jesus and the power of the word of God. Be seated for just a moment. Zacharias in Luke chapter 1 is going to the temple. And it fell his lot to go to the altar of incense in the temple. And when you study that, history says that there were so many priests in that day that it fell a man's lot to offer incense in the temple once in his lifetime. This was the one time in his life that he got to be the priest to go to the altar of incense and intercede on behalf of his nation. And when he's at that temple, the Bible says that an angel of the Lord stood next to him, next to the altar that he was at. And he began to prophesy to Zacharias that they would give birth to a boy who would be a prophet of the Most High God, and he would prepare the way for the appearance of, of the Messiah. Zacharias was there praying and he was interceding that God would send the Messiah. He was praying that God would send that prophet that would pave the way for Jesus to finally show up. He was praying that God would send that prophet that would operate in the spirit and power of Elijah that would have a ministry that would point to the manifestation of Jesus Christ to save the world from their sins. And that angel looks at John and say, or looks at Zechariah and says, "You're going to birth the ministry that you are praying about coming to the nation. In your house, you are going to birth the ministry that is going to point the world to Jesus Christ. And what does Zacharias do? He begins to list all of the qualifications as to why he and his wife cannot birth the prophet that's going to point to Jesus. The problem with this generation is we believe that God can birth miraculous ministries. We just don't believe God can do it through us. You believe God can use everybody else to prophesy, but you don't believe God can use you to prophesy. You believe God can use everybody else to operate in the miraculous, but you don't believe God can use you to operate in the miraculous. 
You believe God can call everybody else to have long revivals and pray a lot of people through to the Holy Ghost, but you don't believe God can use you to do that. You believe God can give a song to somebody else to write for the movement that'll bless the kingdom, but you don't believe God can use you to put pen to paper and write a song that will magnify the name of Jesus and bless the movement. But I believe before we get finished in this split session, God is going to convince this generation that there is no dimension of the Spirit that is available for somebody else that is not available for you. If you have got the hunger and the desire to go after it with everything you've got, God will birth it into your life. I'm not talking about somebody else's house. I'm talking about your house. Say, God can use me. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, God can use me. But you've got to go after it with everything you've got. Hannah was in the same situation. There was a prophet that was birthed through her home. The prophetic was gifted to the house of Hannah. And she said, God, I'm going to take this gift, and I'm going to trust you with it. I'm going to give it to you, and I want you to take it, and I want you to cover it, and I want you to raise this gift. But read your Bible. Every year, Hannah would stitch a coat big enough for Samuel to grow into for another year. And she would bring that coat to Samuel. And he would put that coat on. And it would be too big for him. But his mother knew, I made room for your gift to grow. And every year she'd bring that coat. And it was big enough for him to grow into for another year. And three different times the Bible says, and Samuel grew because Samuel got into the flow. And he didn't just stay ankle deep. But it says, and Samuel grew a little bit deeper. Mama put a new coat on him. And Samuel grew a little bit deeper. Mama put another coat on him. Room to grow a little bit deeper. And Samuel grew. And then finally, the Bible tells us that Samuel prophesied for the very first time. But watch this. Hannah's gift could be manifest in God's house because she made room for it to grow in her house. She didn't wait till she got to the house of God to start taking needle and thread and stitching that mantle together for her gift to grow into. She had her own home. And every day she'd wake up and she'd put needle to thread. And she'd say, my gift is still growing. But I got to make room for it because one day it's going to manifest in God's house. And so every day you wake up and you find a place of prayer and you plug into the flow, you're taking needle to thread. And you're saying, my gift is going to be manifest one day. And you're taking needle to thread. And you're making room for your gift to grow. And every time that you fast, you're saying, I'm taking needle to thread and I'm making room for my gift to grow. Every time you open up your Bible, instead of scrolling through social media, you're saying, I'm taking needle to thread and I'm making room for my gift to grow. Every time you come into the house of God when you wanted to stay home, you're taking needle to thread and you're making room for your gift to grow. Every time you stop watching things you shouldn't watch and listening to things you shouldn't listen to, every time you put down the Xbox controller and go to a prayer closet what you're doing whether you realize it or not is you're taking needle to thread and you are weaving a mantle that is big enough for you to fit into and I feel the Holy Ghost in here right now 
Let's pray here for just a moment. I, I know we, we're stopping and praying, but we're, we're just flowing. We're just filling after the Holy Ghost. You need to make some commitments to God right now that says, God, I'm going to go home and I'm going to make room for my gift to grow. Stop worrying about the microphone. Stop worrying about teaching the class. Stop worrying about getting the guitar solo. Stop worrying about singing the special on Sunday when you haven't been making room for your gift to grow in your own house. You can't expect a gift to manifest in God's house that you're not making room for in your house. The best way to stay in the flow of the Holy Ghost is obedience. That was the difference between Saul and David. Saul was supposed to wait on Samuel to offer the sacrifice. But he went ahead and offered the sacrifice anyway before the man of God showed up. And when Samuel showed up, Samuel said, what have you done? You are not supposed to offer this sacrifice without me here. And this is what Saul said. Pay close attention to this. He said, the Philistines were about to come upon me in war. So I forced myself and offered the sacrifice unto the Lord. And whenever he said that to Samuel, Samuel said, God is stripping the kingdom from you because he has found one better than you who is a man after his own heart that he's going to trust the kingdom with. Saul was disobedient because he was so focused on the war that he was about to engage in. And a lot of the problem with a lot of people is they allow warfare to get in the way of worship. If you're not careful, young person, you can get to the place where you learn how to preach without praying. And you learn how to teach without studying. And you learn how to sing without preparing. You can get so caught up in the warfare of Sunday and Wednesday and doing battle in a church service and having a move of God that you let that get in the way of worship. But God cares more about your soul than he cares about your ministry. You better never get to the place where you learn how to tap into the gifts without being consecrated. Brother Galloway was talking last night about, about vessels and being emptied. And the Lord spoke to me this morning in prayer, and he reminded me about the two anointings of the high priest. Number one, they were anointed with the anointing of separation. God withdrew them and separated them from the other tribes of Israel. And then number two, they were anointed with the anointing of consecration. They were devoted unto him. A lot of issues are, are uh, 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 there are a lot of, of, I'm trying not to be rude here. 
there are a lot of people that are operating in half the anointing God intended them to operate in because they are consecrated to God, but they're not separated from the world. And that was the problem with Saul. He let his warfare get in the way of worship because he was so focused on being devoted to God with a sacrifice that he offered that sacrifice with something he was supposed to kill. And then you have, you, you, you have David who's living in obedience to the word of God on the backside of nowhere. And he's in the flow of the Holy Ghost. And whenever Saul gets anointed, what happens? He gets lifted up in his gifting. And that's when the kingdom was stripped from him. The prophet looked at him and said, when you were little in your own sight, when you didn't think you had it all together, when you didn't get elevated in your title and your position and your popularity and your name, that's when God was going to trust you with the kingdom. But because you got lifted up in the gift that God gave you, God can no longer trust you with what he gave you. But what happened with David when he got anointed? When David got into the flow, he did not get lifted up in his air arrogance and in his pride but he said I got to go back to the field and I got to take care of the sheep that the father has trusted me with because David understood what I did to manifest the flow is what I've got to do to maintain the flow you hear me young person what you were doing when God anointed you the first time is what you've got to continue to do to stay anointed if God anointed you when you were praying every day, when you were reading your Bible, when you were fasting, when you were separate from the world and consecrated unto God, then you got to continue to do those things so that you can stay in the flow of the Holy Ghost. It is not the will of God that this is a Saul generation that has an anointing that starts and then stops, but it is the will of God that this is a David generation that has an anointing that starts and never ends. And David had three anointings because when God plugged him into the flow, God understood if he'll just stay with it, he'll plug into a flow that never stops. He was anointed the first time in front of his brothers. And then he was anointed the second time in front of Judah. And then because he stayed in the flow, he was anointed a third time in front of the entire nation of Israel. When everybody else marked him off, David made up his mind that he was going to stay in the flow of the Holy Ghost. And finally, God elevated him to a place where he was anointed not just in front of his brothers not just in front of his local tribe but in front of the entire nation he was anointed you hear me you better be careful who you write off you better be careful who you mark off because it's the one that nobody expects uh, that God puts a check by their name and says uh, they might be a little hoodlum right now. They might be rebellious right now. They might be dating somebody they're not supposed to be dating right now. They might struggle with holiness right now, but I'm marked by them. And if they can just get connected to that first flow, there will come a day that I elevate them in front of the entire nation. 
And Samuel looks at, at Jesse and he says, I want you to take all of your sons and I want you to go with me down to the temple and we're going to kill a sacrifice and we're going to worship the Lord and God is going to select the next king of Israel from your household, Jesse. And so Samuel takes all of the sons of Jesse and he brings them down to the temple and the Bible says that every son of Jesse went through the cleansing process. They got all of the junk off of their life. They got all of the dirt out of their life. They got all of the filth out of their life. And one son after another passes before the prophet. And God speaks to him and says, I have not chosen this. What God was saying is, is I'm not going to let them become part of my flow. Regardless of how perfect they might seem to you, Samuel, I'm not going to let them become part of my flow. And then Samuel looks at Jesse and he says, do you have anybody left? Is there another son that you're withholding from me? And they go and they call for David, that little ruddy shepherd boy. And here comes David from the backside of nowhere. And he walks into that presence of the prophet with the stench of sheep on his clothes and the fragrance of the field in his hair. And he kneels before the prophet and he never goes through the cleansing ritual but with dirt on his life that prophet opens up that horn of anointing and it flows from the top of his head down to the soles of his feet do you know what God was saying in that he was saying when you've got a heart for me I'm willing to take your dirt and mix it with your destiny you hear me in this house. It doesn't matter how flawed you think you are. If you can just get connected to the flow of the Holy Ghost, there will come a day that just like David, you might start off with an anointing in front of your family. But if you'll keep with it, you'll start, you'll end up with an anointing in front of your tribe. And then if you'll just stay with the flow, you'll end up with an anointing in front of the entire nation. And it is then that you'll realize that your destiny is greater than your dirt and your future is greater than your flow. Stop letting the devil lie to you and tell you you're too messed up and you're too flawed to get into the flow of the Holy Ghost. The flow will clean up a lot of junk in a lot of people's lives. Let's lift our hands and let's pray right here. I want you to let God hear your hunger from your voice right now. Come on, you got to go home, Hannah, and make room for your gift to grow. Because you got to get connected to a flow that starts and never stops. What happens with the rest of this split session is up to you right now. I don't have to make another point. Let God hear your hunger right now. Let God hear your, come on, you're in the flow. As a matter of fact, I wish you'd turn this place into a prayer meeting. If you want to get up from where you are and walk around, that's fine. Let God hear your hunger right now. If you want to find a corner to put your face in, that's fine. Go pray. But you got to get in the flow. And when you get in the flow, you got to stay in the flow. Mm. 
Come on, if you're hungry for it, God will give it to you. If you're hungry for the flow, God will give it to you. Lift your voice in this house. Lift your voice. I can't pray for you. I can't be hungry for you. Come on, I release you right now to go after it right now. The flow is yours, young person. And it's not a flow that stops. It's a flow that never ends. Listen to me for just a moment. Listen to me. If you're praying, listen to me. Here's what I want you to understand about hunger. I cannot impart hunger to you. Either you've got hunger or you don't have hunger. We've got about 11 minutes before the main session starts. For the next 11 minutes, I want this room right here to shake with voices that are lifted, that are hungry. Not voices that are hungry in this moment just because you feel the emotion of this service. But voices that are hungry to go home and be like Hannah and say, I'm going to make room for my gift to grow. To be like David and say, when God anoints me, I'm not going to get lifted up in my gift. I'm going to go back to the prayer closet and stay in the flow. That like Ezekiel and say, I'm not just going to wade out into the water ankle deep, but I want to get so deep into the flow that my entire life is submitted to the flow. Can we do that? Lift your hands and close your eyes. I'm going to count to three, and I want this place to erupt with hunger. Don't worry about the clock. We've got about ten minutes left. Give God ten good minutes of hunger and desperation in this room. By the authority of the name of Jesus and the power of the word of God, I release the gifts of the Spirit into this room right now. I release the supernatural to be imparted into this generation. I loose it right now. I loose the prophetic. I call forth the greatness that is in every person in this room right now. By the authority of the name of Jesus and the power of the word of God. Lift your voice and let God know you're hungry.